Well, hey, mamas. I'm excited to talk to you today. I'm also a little bit nervous um, because I'm sharing a big part of my story today. And it's an emotional story for me. Um, It's something I never could have dreamed uh, could have happened. And even though I walked away from that with a tremendous amount of gratitude and understanding, it was a very dark chapter. And so today, um, we're going to talk about my birth experience with my first daughter and the things that I learned from that. Um, I almost died after she was born. And so we're going to talk about control. We're going to talk about guilt um, and ultimately redemption and healing. So thanks for joining me today on this episode of Memoirs from the Minivan Podcast. Well, thank y'all for joining me today for this episode of the podcast. I can't believe we're already 10 episodes in. It's awesome. And I have loved sharing these stories with you and giving these women a chance to just talk about their lives and um, what they've learned and, you know, what they can share with other mamas out there. So today, though, I'm talking about my experience Um with my first child. I want to start by saying that there is no judgment for how you choose to bring a child into this world. Um, I learned a lot about that in my experience. And so I just want to start by saying that. And so, um, Jeff and I got married in 2010 and we, wanted to be married for a year or so before we got pregnant. And so we did that and immediately started trying, um, to get pregnant. And we were very fortunate in being able to get pregnant in five or six months or so. And found out not too long after that, that we were expecting a little girl and we were just really excited. Jeff had always wanted, um, to have kids. Jeff had been previously married and, um, was not, uh, given that opportunity there. And so it was, uh, just a, a real big thing of joy, um, for him. And for me, I had not always known if I wanted to be a mom. Um, but when I met my husband, um, that kind of changed for me and I saw how great of a dad he would be. And that really had an impact on how I started to see my life. And so, we um went to the you know doctor and everything was great and um i had a wonderful pregnancy had an absolute wonderful pregnancy um didn't have any issues I'm so thankful i didn't have any you know diabetes issues or didn't have a whole lot of swelling i was sick for the first trimester but nothing like super crazy and um just felt really fortunate and i come from a family of a lot of natural childbirth and my mom had had all four of my brothers and sisters and I um, naturally. And so, you know, I, I just knew that that is what I knew. That's kind of all I knew about childbirth. And so um, my husband and I signed up for a class and we learned all about how, you know, our bodies work and how they were designed to, you know, have a baby and all of those things. And I felt very educated. Um, I felt, I would say, semi-confident in my ability to do that. Um, It seemed like a lot, but it seemed like, well, maybe my body's going to give me breaks and it's going to help me do what it was designed to do. And if I can just, you know, endure for a certain amount of time, then it'll be over and I'll have this beautiful baby and I'll just be in love and there'll be so much joy and I'll completely forget about all of the pain and, and everything that came with that. And so we finished that class and we're just kind of waiting. And, um, I went into labor, um, on my own, but sort of like three days before she was born. So I went into labor on a Sunday afternoon and, um, had contractions and, you know, was, I knew I was in labor, but nothing was super crazy. And so, um, that intensified as the day went on and I was awake 
all night Sunday night. Um, and I knew it was in labor, but we were trying to wait, you know, to go to the hospital, continue to move around, walk around, be active, all those things. And so we finally went to the hospital. I want to say was Monday night. It was Monday night. Um, by the time we finally went to the hospitals, I'd had been in contractions and been in labor basically all day, but my water had never broke. Um, so we get to the hospital probably around three or 4 AM on Monday. And so I had been up all night Sunday night with contractions and then up again all night Monday night with contractions. And so we get to the hospital and I was only like three or four centimeters dilated. And so, um, you know, they get, you go through triage and they kind of get everything set up for you. And I tell them, you know, we have a, here's our birth plan and, you know, we want a very hands-off, you know, birth story, birth experience. And I had a room with a tub. And so I was in and out of water and I was, you know, off and on the bed. And, um, once the contractions got pretty substantial, um, they were substantial. Um, I don't think anyone can really understand um, what that's like if you haven't experienced that on your own. I, I don't know that there's a way to prepare for it in hindsight, um, but it was substantial and I just wasn't progressing. Um, so I got to about eight centimeters and I just wouldn't go any further. Um, I had been in labor for 30 hours, 30 plus hours. Um, if even that's not count, that's like high intensity labor for 30 plus hours. I had been in labor since Sunday night. Um, and so they're like, well, let's break your water and let's see if that will help, you know? And so they broke my water and the pain went from unbearable to excruciating to the point of shaking and, and just, I, I just, I, I couldn't handle that anymore. And I could have, I think, if things had progressed, but things again were not progressing. I was just completely stalled out. And so they said, well, we can do an epidural and that'll give you a break and then I'll let you finish dilating. And so long story short, they put the first epidural in, which happens during a contraction, which I'm like, why is that a thing? I digress. Uh, and so they did that. The epidural only numbed one side of my body, so they had to take it out and put it back in. And at that point, I finally got a little bit of rest. But I don't know if it's just me, but I was not able to sleep. It's not like I could rest. Um, I was uncomfortable. I, all of this was gone. I was exhausted. You know, people were coming to check on me ever so often. And so I finally get dilated completely. We think we're ready, you know, to start pushing. And then several hours later, we're still pushing with absolutely no movement at all. And, um, I am exhausted and emotional and I feel like a failure at this point. Um, these emotions are starting to creep in. Exhaustion is creeping in. Um, my husband is exhausted and, you know, my doctor says we can keep doing this, um, but we're not making any progress. You know, I don't know what else to have you do. Um, we've done all these movements and, and everything. And so, uh, we moved forward with a C-section, which was the absolute, last thing that I wanted when I walked in the hospital that night. And so we moved forward with that. You know, they got me prepped and everything. We went in for the C-section. Um, and then I got to meet my little girl and they brought me back out of the operating room. And I've seen pictures of myself at that point and I don't look alive. Um, I look just not there. Um, I couldn't even hold her. I was so exhausted. Um, people were trying to help me breastfeed and I could barely, I felt like I could barely move. I was freezing. Um, and then what I realized was happening, um, is that I was still massively bleeding. Um, so, they think that they kind of get that stopped. They tried a bunch of different things. And so my parents had come in at that point and they were waiting in the lobby. So they, they're in the room now. And my husband is just exhausted too, because he's been, we've been up for, this is now three nights basically, because the C-section happened about 2 AM. And so my husband is exhausted. And so 
you know, my mom says, well, I'll stay with her and the baby. You guys go home and get some sleep, come back in the morning, you know, and we'll, we'll just let everybody get some sleep now that this is all done. Um, well, we fast forward a couple of hours they can't get my bleeding to stop. And so the only option is to take me back into surgery and do a DNC because they think maybe there's been something left in there. Or they didn't get all the, you know, um, everything cleaned out from, from the C-section. So I go back in for a DNC. Um, nobody answers the phone. My husband's knocked out of sleep. My dad's knocked out of sleep. I, you know, it's just, so my mom's got Ellie and I am back in surgery. Um, and it's just a nightmare. Um, it's not what you want. Um, and I just felt like such a failure. Um, that's the only way I know how to describe it. Like it was somehow all my fault that this happened. If I had been stronger, I could have, you know, pushed through that pain and pushed out the baby and none of this would be happening. And so I come out of the DNC, um, very, very weak. And, um, I stay in the hospital for six days. Um, I had couple of blood transfusions while I was in there because I had lost so much blood from the C-section. There was one night that I apparently had an episode where my blood pressure bottomed out and all these sirens and alarms went off and people came in and they, you know, they had to give me a blood transfusion. I have absolutely no recollection of that even happening. I, I have no memory of it at all. And so, um, the nurse came in the next morning and was like, oh, you're looking better. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't, you know, remember, um, have we met before? And she was like, I was, I was here last night when we came in and I had to ask my husband what had happened because I had no recollection of anything that happened. So we finally start to feel better. You know, things are going okay and things are healing and no more bleeding, and so we finally get to go home after six days in the hospital. So after we came home, home was hard. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but I was grieving the loss of this birth experience that I wanted. I was still feeling like I had failed. Um, I was exhausted and trying to recover. And I was trying to figure out breastfeeding. Um, I never had any milk. Um, I didn't make any milk because I had lost so much blood. I literally hardly made any. And so that was just sort of another thing that happened. I, I wanted so badly, at least I thought I did. I wanted so badly to breastfeed because I thought, well, this will be redeeming. You know, I didn't have the birth experience I want, but at least I can breastfeed. And I didn't have any milk, you know, I called, I talked to everybody, you know, they're like, honey, you've lost so much blood. Like your body's trying to, to make blood. I, I don't know that you're going to produce very much milk. I went to all the breastfeeding latching classes and I, you know, I went to all the things and, um, ended up in one, you know, class at a hospital where everybody just went around the room and talked about what kind of medication that they were on. And I was so offended by that because I just thought I'm not here for that. I just, I want some support. I want somebody to talk to. And, you know, I was dealing with all that kind of that first week at home, um, and little did I know the real part of this story was, was really just about to get started. Um, so I had been home for, I think about a week and a half, maybe a week, week and a half. And I got up one morning and kind of felt a little funny. I went to my living room. I sat down in the rocking chair where I normally held Ellie and rocked her. And all of a sudden I just started to feel really hot. Like my face just creeped up and I started to feel really, really hot. And so I, um, I said something to my husband. I'm like, can, can you help me get up? And when I got up, um, I just started massively bleeding. Um, I was hemorrhaging, um, and I ran to the bathroom and you guys, I was just peeing blood and it wasn't, you know, I wasn't peeing. I, I was hemorrhaging. Um, and 
I just freaked out. I mean, you know, what what does any mom do in that situation where you have no idea what is happening and you just freak out and say, call the doctor, you know, and so they get the doctor on the phone and you know how that is. You have to call, you have to punch a number, you have to wait for a nurse, you know. Um, and by this point, I'm sitting on the toilet and I have bled so much that I'm starting to feel like I'm going to pass out. And I just remember him saying, she thinks she's going to pass out. And I could hear her on the phone say, you need to hang up and call 911. And I remember hearing the sirens um, in my neighborhood. I remember hearing them knowing that they were coming and feeling like someone was coming to help me. I remember the relief that I felt from hearing those sirens. So I remember the EMTs coming in, you know, and here I am probably in like, you know, tank top and underwear. So, you know, that was another thing for me, birth and then this experience after birth, I just felt so like revealed. I I felt so exposed. Um, I've always been a pretty modest person. And it just felt like everyone expected me to just get over it. (laughs) The fact that I was uncomfortable with everybody seeing my body. And I just, I just felt so exposed and I hated that. And I felt that feeling again, um, when the paramedics kind of picked me up, you know, off the toilet to try and get me to a stretcher. Um, I passed out at that point and they got me on the stretcher and I remember coming back to, um, being awake when, um, the stretcher hit my sidewalk outside. Um, and they put me in the ambulance and I was awake. Um, I remember, you know, the IV, they put in an IV freaking huge needle, you know, in your arm when you're in the EMT or in the ambulance because they don't know what's happening. So they prepare for a lot of things by putting in a huge needle. And so I remember that. I remember, um, you know, Jeff and my mom and stuff being there saying, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. You know, we're coming to the hospital. So I got to the hospital and by the time I got to the hospital, the bleeding had pretty much stopped and I was awake and talking. And I remember the nurse in the ER saying, girl, you're a lot better shape than we thought you were going to be in. When they called us on the way here, you know, we were, we were very concerned. So we're very relieved you know, to see you up and moving around. And so I had a bunch of testing done after that. They thought I might have a blood clotting disorder. Um, there was all kinds of things, um, you know, that were considered all of those things came back, you know, negative. Um, so they sent me home after, you know, the bleeding stopped, had an ultrasound. They didn't see anything, couldn't find anything. The bleeding stopped. And I was told sometimes this just happens. Um, I was told that sometimes it just happens after birth and that, you know, or sorry and glad everything stopped. So I went home and I'm still dealing with grieving these emotions and this lost birth experience. And I'm, I'm trying to bond with an infant that I don't know, um, and haven't had much time with, and I'm home exactly one week and it happens again. Same story. Get up go sit down, feel hot, go to the bathroom. And I literally am bleeding out again. Same story. Call 911, hear the sirens. Um, This time I knew to at least get in the floor and lay down and put my feet up so that I didn't continue to bleed so much that I passed out. And so I, I do, I was awake for all of that experience that time. And you know, back to the ER. By the time we get there, the bleeding seems to have stopped. And again, I'm met with, we just don't know what's going on. And if you were 40 years old and we're done having children, we would just do a hysterectomy and take care of this, which I was so highly offended of. Don't tell me what to do with my body. You know, we would just do a hysterectomy like that. That was not okay. Um, and I remember telling that physician that was not my doctor. Um, but I said, no, we're, we're not going to do that. We need to figure out what happened in that C-section because something happened. And so I stay in the hospital again another day or two, and then I go home. And I am ridden 
with an anxiety that I had no idea existed. I had been the kind of person who had never dealt with anxiety, or or if I had, I didn't know what it was. And I was just... I was just ridden with it. I wouldn't go anywhere. I wouldn't drive anywhere. I was so afraid of another hemorrhage happening. I wouldn't walk to another room without my cell phone in my hand because I didn't know if I'd be able to call 911. And um, I was a mess. I was an absolute mess. And a couple weeks go by. It's around Thanksgiving. And I had a little bit of bleeding. And I thought, you know, Oh no, you know, this is happening again. So we even went to the emergency room just in case. I said, you know, I know what happens. It starts with a little bit and then it just comes and I I don't want to have this again at home. And they checked me out and they did an ultrasound and, you know, no, I think you're fine. You know, it's probably just a little bit from, you know, you still continuing to heal. And um, so I went home. So I went home and I went back to work. Um, This had been about five, five and a half weeks after her birth and I had to go back to work. I was a full-time, you know, working salesperson when I started, um, you know, my story of being a mom and I needed to get back to that because I was paid on commission and there was no maternity leave plan. So I went back to work at five weeks and I remember the day I went back to work and I was standing in one of my private dining rooms. I was a sales manager for a fine dining restaurant and I was standing there helping get a room set up for an event that night and I felt it again and I just started bleeding. So I ran through the restaurant. I was in the, all the way to the back of the restaurant. I ran through the restaurant. I ran to the bathroom and I yelled at somebody to come with me and it happened again. So this was now time number four, if you include the time in the hospital. And so I said, go call 911. I need an ambulance. I'm not gonna be able to drive and I can't have somebody take me because I'll bleed out all over your car. And so the ambulance came, and I remember the familiar sound of the sirens again. And they came, and they put me on the stretcher. And I remember seeing the host for the event I was supposed to do that night. I literally passed him on the stretcher on the way out the door and went back to the hospital. And at this point, I'm thinking, I'm going to die. Like, this keeps happening. Something's wrong. And, um, I'm, I'm probably not going to make it. There's a real good possibility that I'm not going to make it. So I go back to the hospital. I go back to the ultrasound and I remember the gasp in her voice. She went, I see it. And I said, see what? She said, you have a blood vessel that is still trying to feed the uterus. It never either got clamped down or your uterus was just so exhausted it never shut it off. And it has been bleeding into your uterus. And so what I then later learned was that as it continued to bleed, the bleed got worse. And so my uterus would fill up with blood and then I would hemorrhage once it got to a capacity that it didn't, you know, couldn't hold. And so that night, as I'm laying in the ER, I am continuing to bleed. They can't stop the bleeding. It requires emergency surgery. My husband is in northern Indiana because he was a truck driver at the time. He is at least three and a half hours from me. My daughter is at the babysitters who happened to be, thankfully, a good friend of ours. And it wasn't just a daycare. And my friend Laura was with me who I worked with at the restaurant. And I was told, you are bleeding out faster than we can get blood in you. I had blood transfusions going in both arms, and I was bleeding out quicker than they could get the blood back in. And so she said, we have to do emergency surgery to save your life, and I need you to sign all these papers 
that if we get in there and we can't get it to stop, that you authorize us to give you a hysterectomy because that's the only way we're going to be able to get the bleeding stopped if what we don't do or if what we do doesn't work. And so I have to sign those papers without my husband um, and go into surgery not knowing if I would come out with the ability to ever have any more children. And so I went into the cath lab to have what was called a uterine artery embolization where they go in through an artery in my leg and they put a tiny little spring um, and I guess they stick it in that bleeding vessel and my body absorbs that vessel or that little spring. The vessel kind of absorbs it and it basically plugs the hole um, in my body. And so I went in um, to that surgery. I was awake the whole time. Um, it was a surgery I had to be kind of in and out of consciousness for. So I was awake for pretty much the whole procedure. And I just remember finally waking up. I was in ICU. I couldn't turn over by myself because any sudden increase in blood pressure could force that spring out, um, which could be deadly. And I just remember looking over and seeing my husband sitting there and I just felt so defeated just heartbroken over everything that had happened I just I was just spent I think every piece of energy and every emotion and fear. I was so scared. Um, it just all came crushing back and I just cried like a baby. Just, it just all came out. I mean, I never could have imagined a story that looked like that. So I finally went home and, you know, was seemingly okay. I wasn't bleeding anymore. And I was trying to figure out life because I still had so much anxiety, so much anxiety. I was terrified it was going to happen again. I was just high stress, just wound so tight all the time because I was just so terrified of it happening again. And I had a heart full of resentment towards my daughter and towards my husband for putting me through this. I just was grieving everything, everything, the whole experience. And about six months into that, after a couple conversations with my doctor, you know, she said, you need to go talk to somebody. You have been through hell and... You are suffering from postpartum depression, but in a way that is unlike what most women deal with. Um, you are also suffering from post-traumatic stress because this has been so traumatic for you. And so feeling as though I had just failed as a mom from this point. I mean, I'm like, you know, eight weeks in at this point and I just feel like a complete and utter failure. And I didn't know that I could, I didn't know how to be a mom. I didn't know how to go back to being a wife. I didn't know how to be a mom because I just felt like I just failed at everything at that point. So I spent the next 18 months, um, in weekly counseling, trying to figure out how to move forward where do I go from here? How do I get over this? <laughs> How do you get over something like that? And I remember at one point in my conversation, this was probably like a year in, she said, 
at some point you have to forgive yourself. And I said, forgive myself for what? I didn't do anything wrong. And she smiled. And I said, I didn't do anything wrong, did I? She said, nope, you didn't do anything wrong. I said, there's nothing for me to forgive myself for because I didn't do anything wrong. And that was a pivotal conversation um, in counseling that day. And it's one that there's just a flagpole stuck there, that that was just a turning point. Um, And I feel like at that point, I started to heal. I finally started to let myself heal. And it's really, really, really hard to see anything in the dark. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we all travel through dark, dimly lit chapters in our lives. And it's really, really hard to see anything in there. But when you just light one little tiny flicker, you know, a match, a lighter, a candle, you can start to see a little bit of what has been in the dark. And that's really what that conversation did for me. When I said, forgive myself for what I didn't do anything wrong, it's like somebody lit a match. And for the first time, I started to see the darkness exposed that this grief and this guilt and this shame that I had been dealing with was just to really keep me captive. Um, It wasn't fair to me to make myself feel that way when I had done everything possible to have the story I want and to make the best decision for my daughter. When I reflect on that story, I get emotional. It's still a very dark chapter, even though I've seen it come to light and I've been able to see the light on the other end of the tunnel. It's still a very dark chapter because I was a very, I was so sad Um, And I was so hurt during that. And so here's what I know. Here's what almost eight years of reflection has taught me. There is no right or wrong way to have a baby. I definitely came from the camp of natural is best and breast is best, and I don't disagree with that. Let, let me let me say that I, I don't disagree with that because I do think that women are amazing, incredible warrior spirits um, who can can bring another human being into the world, and that is incredible. But my friend Sarah one time posted. After, I think it might have been the birth of her first or second, she said, nobody gives trophies for the end of childbirth. <laughs> and that's, that's true. That There's no trophies. There's, there's certain things. I've been listening to Simon Sinek a lot here lately. And he says, you know, there's certain things in life that there's no winning or losing. There just is. And... That's the way birth is and and motherhood and parenting in general. There's no winning and losing in parenting. There just is. And so however you bring your baby into this world, that is your story and you should be proud of it. The other thing I know is that sometimes we try to be really helpful, loving people, and we have the best of intentions when we say things, and they can be very, very hurtful. I had shared a couple of times with some different folks just about how hard my journey had been, and 
they were very quick to remind me about that sweet baby I had right there and how grateful I should be for that sweet baby I had in my arms. And while that is 100% true, it was not very helpful. (laughs) It was not helpful to be reminded that I already didn't feel grateful for this gift. I already knew that I should be grateful. I already knew that I should love her with this unending, joyous love, and I didn't have it. And so that just made me feel worse. And so I just smiled and nodded and said, you know, yeah, for sure. You know, you're so right. You know, it's all where you focus. And while it's true that what we focus on is very important, hear me when I say that it is okay to sit with sadness for a second. It is okay to sit with grief. It is okay to sit with sadness. It is okay to sit with disappointment and just feel however you feel about that, about your child, about your role as a new mom. However you feel is however you feel. I have talked to so many moms who feel bad for not just being in love over the hills with their baby and they feel like they're some kind of subpar mom because they don't feel that way. You just feel how you feel. God chose you to be the mama of that baby for a reason. So just feel how you feel and let yourself experience that emotion Don't stay there. Work on it. If it's not good, work on it. But just remember that emotions really aren't good or bad. They are just emotions. And you just feel how you feel and you work on it. But be aware of what we say to other mamas and and learn to ask questions and learn to affirm them in their moments because we every single one need that. We need that so bad. The other thing I know is that no birth is the same and that I am so, 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 so thankful that God healed my heart enough and he took away my fear and he gave me Mason Mason is my second, and his birth story was so redeeming. Um, I still had a C-section, but I felt so much peace in his birth. And the anesthesiologist and surgeons were even like, we have never seen a mom so at peace. You are so just calm. And I said, you know, made the joke, well, (laughs) when you almost die with the first one, you know, you really have a whole different set of expectations going into the birth process. But I'm just so thankful for his birth because it was very redeeming for me. And it reminded me that every experience is just very different. And they all come with their own chapters and their own stories and their own lessons. Um, Your birth experience could very well be just as different as your children are, and that is okay. As I start to wrap up, um, I really want to share what I learned and what God has showed me on the other side of that chapter. The first thing was that he walked with me through it. You know, in the middle of all of that and the different episodes of hemorrhaging and all of that, the first two times it happened, both were on Thursdays, which happened to be one of two days a week my husband was off. Every time it happened, I was never alone with my daughter. I always had people there. And wherever she was, she was taken care of. 
my OBGYN gave my husband her personal cell phone number so that she could text him what was happening and how things were going when I had to go into that emergency procedure. My sweet friend Laura stayed with me through that whole time until Jeff got there, just sitting with me and holding my hand. Our sweet friends, Angel, had Ellie overnight that last night when I had to have that emergency procedure. She just kept my baby at her house and just loved her like her own. There were so many situations like that, that once I got outside the dark, once I got into the clearing and the fog started to move away, I could see how in so many different moments, he was just right there. It's like, I'm just, I'm right here with you in this moment and it's going to be okay. He also saved my life um, through the whole story of that um, and everything that happened. I ended up with eight blood transfusions. Um, I lost so much blood. My hemoglobin levels got down to like a four. And if you don't know what a hemoglobin is, which I didn't know, it's basically the protein in the blood that transports oxygen. And a normal hemoglobin level for a woman is like a 12. And I got down to a four, which means when I would get up to walk across the room, I felt like I was trying to run a marathon because I had about a third of the oxygen that my body needed. To do that. And he's, he saved my life. Um, the last night when I did have that final hemorrhage um, and I had to go in for emergency surgery, my actual OBGYN was on call and she knew all my story and she didn't waste any time. She happened to be the doctor on duty that night and not someone else who would have had to have looked at my file and gotten all these updates and everything. She immediately went into action because she knew it was happening to me again. The third thing that he showed me was he showed me my own biased judgment. I was a very judgmental person. Even during pregnancy, I was the person saying, you know, natural childbirth is the best way to go. You know, I'm not having an epidural. And, you know, women have been giving babies, you know, giving birth to babies for thousands of years. And I would judge women who didn't do it that way. And I would judge women who chose to bottle feed over breastfeed when they could breastfeed. And I would judge them. And I would think, I'm never doing it that way. And there were moments during my recovery, during my counseling, when I would think about something that happened to me, and I would think of how I had judged someone else. And the Lord just gently revealed that to me and just said, let's just move on. But just know that not everything that you see is how it appears. He also allowed me to have a story so that I could encourage others with a similar story. I have had so many mamas come into my life now who have had traumatic birth experiences, who have had postpartum hemorrhage experiences. In fact, one of the women in our life group Just this past year with her baby, after her baby was born, she had a postpartum hemorrhage and she said, you were the first person I thought of. And there is a special kind of affirmation that you can give to someone when you have walked that path. When you've been where they are, there is a special kind of camaraderie that you can say to them in a way that no one else can, I know exactly where you are, and no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. I know exactly where you are. You can't say that if you haven't been in that chapter and experienced that story. 
And so I am grateful that I can encourage so many mamas who feel uh, guilt or shame or failure from pregnancy or birth or breastfeeding. In fact, I went to a breastfeeding class with my second child and I ran into a mom who was a first-time mom, and she was just stressed. And you could just tell she's a first-time mom. You know, she's got the stroller, the car seat, every kind of play toy, multiple bottles, the backpack. You know, she just has it all. You know, she's just so prepared and so sweet and so cute. And I just looked at her, and I said, How, how's it going? And she was like, well, I'm just I'm trying to get this breastfeeding thing, you know, figured out. It's just a lot, and I, but, but we're doing it, and I'm just so blessed to have this sweet little, you know, guy right here. And I just, I put my son back down in his car seat, and I put my hands on her shoulders, and I said, I want you to know you are doing a great job. And that even if your baby has to drink formula, he's going to be okay. Because you're his mama. And she just stopped and paused and was like, thank you so much. He also showed me that my need to control was costing me a lot of rest and peace. You know, I always thought that my controlling behavior and just needing to have everything controlled, you know, I would say, well, I'm just an organized person. And through my experience, I think I've learned there's a difference in controlling and organizing. You know, I still am an organized person. I'm still a list maker. I'm still a planner. But I've definitely learned to adapt to change a lot better, roll with the punches, understand that there's more than one right way to do something, take a second to acknowledge somebody else might have a different idea, they might even have a better idea than what I have, and to just rest and have more peace instead of being so wound tight because ultimately, you know, God has just showed me You know, I had a four-page birth plan. I had every possible scenario worked out. And none of that went the way that I wanted to. And it wasn't because I messed up. It was just because life doesn't always go as we planned. And he has really showed me through that experience that he has ultimate control and that I can rest in that. He also really revealed my passion for working moms. You know, there was a time in my life where I didn't know if I wanted to be a mom. And, you know, now that my role um, in life has changed, you know, and I'm a mom of two and I work full time, um, that's what inspires me and pushes me to be better, to do better, Um, to go after my dreams because I'm setting the example for my kids. And I have such a passion for working moms who are juggling so much and who are trying to do their best and trying to control it all and feeling guilty and feeling shame. I just have such a heart for reminding you that you are doing a great job. Take a breath. It's going to be okay. If their lunches don't match, it's okay. If things don't always happen the way you would specifically like them to, it's okay. Um, And, you know, he also gave me an incredible partner. You know, they say that children, you know, can really strengthen your marriage. And in that dark chapter, I thought it could potentially tear us apart because I really held on to a lot of resentment um, with him and with my daughter But on the other side of that, you know, between him and my mom, the first six, eight weeks of Ellie's life, I was just not there. I was, I was in the bed. I remember people bringing us food and holding my daughter, rocking her in another room. And I couldn't even bring myself to come out of the bedroom. So I remember being in those dark places and thinking, there's no way we're going to survive this. And then 
on the other side of that, again, once you start to expose the darkness, the darkness is so tricky. And, you know, it's, it's the same way that a kid would be scared of the dark. They would hear something and they would assume that it was something um, dangerous or scary when it could have just as easily been a branch scraping a window, you know, and that's how the darkness is. Even emotionally, we hear something or we feel something or we see something and we assume something bad or we feel guilt or we feel shame in that. And we just have to get to the other side of that darkness into the light to really expose what's happening. And so I am thankful that I had a partner who was willing to be so patient with me and walk through that dark chapter because it could not have been easy for him um, to see me that way, to see me so hurt and broken, and then to also be trying to figure out his own role as a father and how to support his family. And so I say all that to share hope, Um, If you have had something similar or had a similar experience, please let me reassure you um, you're doing a great job and you're navigating as best you can and not everything is going to go the way that we have planned and there's redemption in that and there's healing in that and there's hope in that. So I thank you. If you listen this far, thank you. Um, it's been an emotional, uh, 45 minutes here for me to share this story. I tell it a lot, but I don't tell it in that kind of detail. And so thank you for, for listening and for hearing my story. And I hope that you were encouraged. I hope that you were affirmed in some way. Um, and if you ever, ever, need someone to talk to about postpartum depression, about birth, about motherhood, about guilt, please reach out. I would love to talk to you. Well, thank you for joining me today on this very personal episode of Memoirs from the Minivan podcast. We will be back next week with an interview with Miss Kelly Ablaza, who I serve with in children's ministry at my church, and she has just a wonderful story, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Um, if this was encouraging to you, please share. Please share my story with other moms, especially any mom you know who's had a difficult birth experience. Um, let her be affirmed in that. And if you could um, like or give us a thumbs up or um, leave us a comment, or review. That would be awesome. Have a great day out there, mamas. And thanks again for joining me on today's episode of the Memoirs from the Minivan podcast.